Well, my name is Nate, if I haven't met you, and I'm so happy you came to church today. It's good to see you guys. If maybe you haven't been to church in a long time, your first time ever, thanks for being courageous enough to come. We hope that this is a safe place for you to ask questions. Um, you'll find, like, I don't hide it, we're, most of us in the room are 100% biased. Uh, we've had an encounter with Jesus that's changed our lives, and yet we respect the journey that you're on. So thanks for being here. Just a quick thing before we jump in. Uh, by the way, baptisms, one of the, here's, here's something about church history that probably isn't common knowledge. For about 400 years in the early church, did you know the only time during the whole year you could be baptized was on Easter morning? So you had to wait a whole year. And you were baptized on Easter morning because it was the day when the followers of Jesus gathered around and they commemorated this event that changed history forever, is that Jesus, who had died on the cross, was resurrected. And so every Easter morning, people who had been waiting for months would celebrate their own personal resurrection as they came up out of the water. So if you have not been baptized, or maybe there's been, your life's got a story and you're like, I need a new start, uh, consider being baptized on Easter weekend. It's going to be, it's, it'll be worth it. It's a beautiful thing. So we're in this series called Direction. We're going to wrap it up. Next week we're going to move into some things around the death of Jesus and then, of course, Easter. And why are we doing a series called Direction? Because over the past few decades, probably the question I get asked as much as any question is something like this. How do I make good decisions or how do I quit making bad decisions? Okay, whether you follow Jesus or you're just trying to figure out what you believe, you still want to make good decisions. If you're a follower of Jesus, you often ask it this way. How do I best hear God or how do I know God's will for my life? And here's why we ask that. Because we all understand that our life is the sum total of the decisions we've made. Every decision we make has consequences. Now there can be positive consequences. You make a wise decision you get to engage with the positive consequences of that decision. However, there are also bad decisions that have negative consequences. Okay, how many of us in the room, don't raise your hand, have made a bad decision and we've experienced the negative consequences or other people's decisions? And so what that leads to, when I, when I make a series of bad decisions, here's the beauty. God forgives, but the pain of the consequences, I still have to live through it makes life difficult. So we went back a few weeks ago and we looked at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. And we talked about everybody wants a straight path. Like I do not want to take, you know, the long way there. I want a straight path. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 10 and how do you deal with the decisions that aren't quite as clear? Those areas where the first question we ask naturally, instinctually, is what's best for me? And Paul gave us three new questions to ask. He says, hey, as a follower of Jesus now, you've got a new ethic. So don't just ask what's best for me. There's a whole new world that's open to you. So this is what I'd like to do today. I'd like us to look again at Proverbs, and we're going to talk about this word. This is a word that is mentioned over and over in the Bible. Just this word uh, is at least 218 times in the NIV translation. And then if you use the other words, it's used it hundreds and hundreds of times. The word is wisdom, okay? Wisdom. And we're going to look at some things that Solomon wrote. A little bit of background. Solomon was known as the wisest man in the world. 
It's the night before his inauguration. He's got some really big shoes to fill. His dad was King David. Okay, King David of David and Goliath. This, this warrior, this guy who's legendary. And now his son is going to step into his shoes as king. And the night before he's inaugurated as king, God comes to him and says, okay, you've got a big job ahead of you, Solomon. And here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to grant you whatever request you make. Solomon thinks about it. He, you know, you could ask, get rid of all my enemies, ask for riches, ask for power. But he says this. He says, God, I am but a child. He's actually 40 years old. He says, I am but a child and these are great people. So I ask that you would grant me wisdom that I could lead them well. So God fulfills his request, makes him wise. And then his wisdom is renowned throughout the ancient world. People, kings and queens come to visit him because the way he's navigating his life is different than anybody else. And he leaves behind the book of Proverbs as one of his main writings, which are these pithy statements about wisdom to help future generations navigate through life. And he keeps on this emphasis over and over and over. Wisdom. Wisdom, be wise. So we're going to take some time and we're going to read some of his writings and we're going to try to figure out how do we, as end result, how do we become wise people? Okay. So here's our first question. We've got to explore this before we even look at the text. What is wisdom? Okay, what is wisdom? It's a legitimate question. It's not something that we use often. You probably have never been in a job interview and they looked at you and said, how wise are you? Right? There's all kinds of assessments that you can go through, but I don't know of a wisdom assessment. Let's distinguish between two other things that we'll hear about a lot more in our culture than we will hear about wisdom. The first would be intelligence. Okay, intelligence. Here's the definition of intelligence. It's the ability to acquire and apply knowledge and skills. Okay, intelligence is a wonderful thing. Intelligence, here's the problem with it though. They say you're born with a certain IQ and you really don't change that over the course of your life. Okay, so it's just kind of my innate cognitive capacity and ability. I, I can learn more, but my IQ is my IQ. I have personally never taken an IQ test in my life because I don't want to know. <laughs> Anybody else been there? Like, I just don't want to know. Like, if I'm dumb, I don't want to know because I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. If I'm brilliant, I don't want to know because I don't want to be responsible for being brilliant. Like, I just don't want to know. But this intelligence, and so there's a test. There's tests. There's IQ tests to determine how intelligent you are. But what you've got is it. Now, here's another word that is associated with wisdom but different. It's knowledge. Knowledge. What is knowledge? It's information gained through experience, reasoning, or acquaintance. So knowledge is my understanding, information. Our whole school, our educational system is built off of this. Is we can put information in front of people and regardless of their IQ, they can gain, they can access that information and this is tested, right? Every test you ever took in school, if you're, taking, if you're in school right now, you're being tested on your knowledge of a subject. So you may come into something, you don't know anything about it, but you can gain knowledge. Some people have exceptional knowledge 
in a certain area. Like, this is my trade. This is my hobby. I know everything there is to know about this thing. So the good news about knowledge is for all of us, it can be increased through learning. Take some discipline. Take some observations of the world. But my knowledge can grow. Now, here's our word, though. So there's intelligence, there's knowledge, and then there's wisdom. And this is the theme throughout the Bible, mentioned many more times than either intelligence or knowledge. Wisdom is the ability to discern or to judge what is true, what is right, or what is lasting. Okay, so it's an ability, like intelligence, but it's to discern, meaning to understand. It's, it's having God's perspective, a broader perspective, understanding the significance of life, being able to navigate your way through. Now, here's some things. You can be very, very intelligent and not be wise. You can be very knowledgeable and not have wisdom. It's an absolute possibility. That's why there are brilliant people who are the most skilled in their industry, brilliant people who are mathematicians, but their lives can be filled with chaos because wisdom doesn't necessarily come with intelligence or knowledge. There's an ancient saying that says this. It's an old parable. Knowledge is knowing how to use a sword, right? So I can, I can gain that skill. In the ancient world, I could pick up a sword. Somebody could teach me. I could learn all the moves, learn how to defend myself, learn how to attack. But wisdom is knowing when to use it and when to keep it sheathed. Okay, wisdom knows that stays there. It needs to come out now. It's not just a skill. It's something bigger. Let me give you this definition. This is a definition I came up with. Wisdom is understanding how to prioritize and navigate the options and decisions we will face throughout our lifetime. Knowing what's truly important. That's a big part of wisdom. All of these options... What's going to be at the top of my list and how to navigate, how to walk my way through this lifetime. So there's a test for intelligence. There's a test for knowledge. What's the test for wisdom? When we bring somebody new onto our team, we give them assessments and skill tests. We don't have a, a wisdom test. You, you know what I think the test for wisdom is? It's your life. It's how you live. It's the decisions that you make. And here's one of the beautiful things about wisdom. Everybody can grow in wisdom. You're not limited. It can increase over time. Wisdom is not just knowing what to do, but knowing what to avoid. It's not just knowing what to say, but what not to say. So if this is such a theme and this is such an emphasis, here's the second question. This is point number two. How do we gain wisdom? How do we gain it? How, how do we gather more wisdom? How do we learn more wisdom? Where does it come from? Because every day you and I are going to have to make decisions. Hey, should I eat this or not eat that? Should I go there? Should I buy this? Should I sell this? Should I change should I invest in that relationship? Those are decisions, and we got to figure out how do we best navigate through those decisions. And wisdom is the thing that gets us through. Okay? So how do we gain wisdom? We might say this. Well, wisdom is just, it comes with time. Okay? If, if you just spend enough time, the longer we live, 
the wiser we become. That is likely to happen, but it's no guarantee. <laughs> Have you ever met anybody who's lived a lot of years and lacks wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. It's very possible. Time is no guarantee of wisdom. And then sometimes you'll meet somebody who's younger, hasn't had many experiences, but they have a unique wisdom, a unique way to see and understand life from God's perspective. So we can't just rely on time. Therefore, how do we gain wisdom? I can give you three steps. Okay, three steps to gaining wisdom that Solomon gives us. Number one, learn to value wisdom. Make it a value in your life. Everybody has values. We all have values. What's in the top of your list when it comes to value? Influence, finance, integrity, all these things, very important. One of the things that Solomon's going to tell us is he's going to say, if, if you really want to become wise, learn to value wisdom. Let's read from two Proverbs, Proverbs 3, Proverbs 4, where Solomon's going to tell us about how valuable wisdom really is. Proverbs 3. Blessed are those who find. Now you'll notice this. We're going to come across a lot of verbs. Okay, because Solomon's going to say, you find it, you seek it, you get it. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she, Solomon often personifies wisdom, calls it a she. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So here's what Solomon is telling us. And he had plenty of gold and he had plenty of silver. He's one of the richest men on the planet. He says, when it comes to what I truly value, is, is it gold, silver, finance? He says, the most value, com valuable commodity that a human being can have is wisdom. It, it is precious. He goes on to say, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can even compare with her. If there was something that you wanted to value in your life, he says, let it be wisdom. Because you could have all of the gold in the world. You could have all of the money. You could be the richest person on the planet, but you may not have any wisdom and you will not navigate through life very well. You will experience pain from the consequences of your unwise decisions. So I may not have any gold. I may not have any silver. I may not have any resources. I may be poor, but I could be wise. And that is the best commodity, the finest asset that I could have in my life. Now in the next proverb, proverb four, we read this. He says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom. That's interesting to me. That I could value wisdom and then I could forsake it. I could walk away. Do not forsake wisdom and she will, what will she do? She'll protect you. Love her and she'll watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. So the first step is this. He says, learn to begin to value wisdom. In our culture, in our, just how we live life, we're going to value intelligence and we're going to value knowledge. Because okay? those things can be profitable in life. They can help you. But Solomon challenges us this way. He says, listen, 
if you wanted to value something more than intelligence, I mean, I think everybody in the room would love to have, like, I wish I had a super high IQ. More than knowledge, more than I know everything there is about this thing. He says, value wisdom. Because if you, if you can learn to look at wisdom and say, that, that's the most important thing I could have. More than knowing more. More than wealth. To understand, to have wisdom. He says, begin to make it a value. You know what I pray for my kids? Four kids. And, and you know what I pray for everybody in this room? I try to pray every day of my life for people to have wisdom. For my kids to have wisdom. I don't pray that they be successful and have the finest careers. I don't pray for you that, you know, everybody in the room would get a raise and get, you know, get elevated to management. I pray wisdom for your life. Because I know what it's like not to have wisdom. I know the decisions that we make that are self-destructive and are harmful. And we've got to walk through those consequences. So I pray that you, I pray that my kids, I pray for myself every day. God, would you give us wisdom? Would we begin to value that more than the things around us that seem a little bit more glamorous and maybe a little bit more uh, tangible? Would you give us wisdom? Wisdom, would we value it? So the first step is this, begin to value wisdom. Begin to think of it as, that is something that I want. That is something that I need. That is something that's so important to life. It creates a safety around my life. And the next step would be this, pursue wisdom. I value it, and if I really begin to value it, then I begin to pursue it. Remember, Solomon's using these verbs. He says, go, get, find, seek Wisdom. Wisdom. Here's one thing I know for sure about wisdom. Wisdom will never come to me while I'm sitting on my couch with a remote control in my hand. I may gain some knowledge. You know, if I focus my watching on documentaries and PBS, I may know a lot about the mating habits of lemurs (laughs) or the history of this or that, right? But that is not wisdom. Solomon says this, wisdom doesn't just happen by default. It doesn't just happen with age as I live longer. He says, you have to make a choice to pursue, to get, to gain, to seek wisdom. He says, remember how valuable it is. More than once in my life. So I've always had this thing in me, I got to explore. So more than a few times, I've hiked somewhere And when you get to that spot, you know you spent hours climbing to this spot. And this comes to my mind. I wonder how many people have actually stood where I'm standing before. You ever had that? I am so far back here. And then within an hour, as you keep hiking, you see evidence that humans have been here. Almost always, you know what it is? It's the remains of a mine. There's there's tailings. There's uh, You can tell somebody... I am here, somebody climbed that cliff and tried to dig into the side of that mountain. What are they doing? They're trying to find gold or silver, right? They're prospecting, they're prospecting. I've seen this over and over, places that just blow your mind. Like, are you kidding me? A hundred years ago, 
somebody, imagine how difficult it was for them to get here. And they, by horse, by donkey, by foot, whatever, they got up here. They climbed to that place. They exposed themselves to that level of danger. They tried to dig into a rock in order to find gold. They pursued it. They were hungry for it. In fact, just last summer, we mentioned camp up here on Headlines. I got to go to camp four, four weeks last year. I love camp. I'll go, I'll wash your dishes, whatever you need. I want to be at camp because God does powerful things there. But after camp, so we go to, we have this camp on the boulder, right? And if you went past it, so it's from Big Timber, you head south. If you went, you've already gone 22 miles down a dirt road. If you went another nine miles, you come to the end of the dirt road. And then there's eight and a half more miles that are four-wheel drive. And up at the top, right at Timberline, there's an old gold mining town called Independence. Some of you have probably been there. Now, we drove with my family the remaining eight and a half miles, and then I was trying to make it all the way to the mine, but uh, it was a little too much for my truck to handle. And when I heard a bang, 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 and I saw my entire skid plate in my rearview mirror, and I tried to get out the door, and I realized I had bent my, the, the, the steps up to close my doors shut. I realized it's time to park the truck. We're not going to make it. Now, the good news is, is I have three boys, and together we probably weigh at least 1,000 pounds. So if you, if you all stood on these, these side steps, we stood on them, started jumping up and down. We, we had to crawl out through the windows, but we're able to bend the steps back down so we could open the doors and get out. And then we hiked the remaining four miles by foot up to Independence Gold Mine. And you can't, I know the scale, you can't tell from here, but th- there's remnants of these old steam engines. And literally they're from, from here, they're... 16, 17 feet long. They're just massive. Big pieces of iron. There's shafts that you can tell people have dug deep into the earth. And you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere when you get to this place. And you realize 100 years ago, somehow, a wagon, horseback, on their own back. People came up. This is a hostile climate. Right now it's under 12 feet of snow. They came up and they... They paid a price to try to find gold. They dug through rock. Why? Because they realized this is valuable and they pursued it. They pursued it. It's just mind-blowing. Solomon is trying to ask us to have this type of perspective when it comes to wisdom. Listen, don't be passive about this, he says. Learn to value wisdom. It is... It is something that you need, that you want, that is more valuable than finance, anything to you. And then pursue it, seek it, find it, make it an object of, of your desire. Like, I am going to find wisdom. I'm going to gain wisdom. I'm going to pursue it wherever it is at. So you value it. And when you value it, you begin to pursue it. And then here's the third step. If I want to gain wisdom, this is very simple. I ask for it. Ask for wisdom. Be bold. It's a gift. It's a gift that God gives to people. We're going to jump all the way to the New Testament. So this is written probably about 62 AD. This is after the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's James who's writing. And James is one of Jesus' 12 original friends, apostles that walked with him. And he's writing to the church, the followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. And guess what? It's kind of messy. <laughs> There's all kinds of dysfunction in the church. I don't know. Can you believe that? There was dysfunction and unhealth 
in a church 2,000 years ago. It's good that we've made so much progress and that no longer is an issue for churches. So they're making bad decisions. And in James chapter 1, he writes to them and he realizes, you guys, because of a lack of wisdom, you're making horrible decisions. You're hurting each other. You're making your life complicated. And so he writes them this in James chapter 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, here's how it all begins. Yeah, that's me. That's me. The oldest, the most experienced in the room. Yeah, that's me. I lack wisdom. What do you do? You should try to make an appointment with Yoda, right? You, you, you should try to find the guy that's wearing the, rub, the, the robe because he, he's got all kinds of wisdom. He says, no, no. If you ask wisdom, what should you do? You should ask God. Just ask him. Who gives generously. God is not like holding on to his heavenly divine wisdom and saying, ah, give you a tiny bit. You definitely need more. Um, nah, I couldn't trust you with this. So some of us have this perspective of God that he is not generous. And this is what James says. If you lack wisdom, you know what you should do? I got a revolutionary thought. It's not about reading secret texts. It's not about taking a journey. He says, why don't we just ask God? And here's what I know about God is he gives generously. Some people take the scripture and they apply it toward their financial life. That is not what James is talking about. He says, your God is generous. And what he's generous with is wisdom. He just loves to give it away. He knows how valuable this is. You're his kids. And he knows that your life will be way easier if you have wisdom. And so he's anxious and he's ready and he is generous with his wisdom. And he gives to all without finding fault. So when I come to him and I ask God, would you please give me wisdom? God doesn't go, oh, I'd love to. But I'm thinking about the fall of 2006. And you remember that? And you're like, yes, I remember. They go, Sorry. DQ'd, disqualified from wisdom. That, you know, you have reached your quota of bad decisions for a lifetime. <laughs> I am sorry you will not be eligible as a recipient for wisdom. James says, he gives generously and he doesn't find fault. He doesn't find fault with the people who have made bad decision after bad decision, bad relationship after bad relationship, bad addictive behavior after addictive behavior. God, God doesn't look at you and say, mm, no. He just gives generously. And you know what? It will be given to you. It's a gift. It's not dependent on your past behavior or past performance. You ask, and then he goes on. He says, but when you ask, when you ask for wisdom, you must believe and not doubt. Actually believe, God. I believe that you are making me a wise person. I know I have not been wise. I know I have made bad decision after bad decision, but I've asked, you're generous, you don't find fault, and so I am going to believe that you are giving me wisdom because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I, you, if, if you don't believe, you're not going to receive it. So I ask God for wisdom. There's a couple thoughts here that I just love. First, you really have to believe this. If you're going to ask God for wisdom, you've got to believe that God wants you to be wise. He wants that for his kids. He wants you 
He wants me to make better decisions. He wants me to navigate life and options in much better ways than I have in the past. And he's generous. He says, just, just ask me. I want you to get through life making good decisions because bad decisions are self-destructive. They're harmful to you. God doesn't want that for us. God wants me to be wise. Believe that. Really believe that. And God is generous with wisdom. I just have to hold on to that, that God is not holding on. He's not like there's only so much wisdom in the world. And I just can't give that much away. Like you're so in need of wisdom, it would create a serious wisdom crisis for everybody else. No, he just is, God says, I've got it all. Like I just give it away. Give it away to the most unwise. I'm, I'm ready. You're never going to bankrupt God of wisdom. So believe he wants me to be wise. Believe that God is genuinely gen- generous. And then one other thought here, believe that wisdom is not hidden. Believe that wisdom is not hidden. It, it wants to be found. There's this kind of, oh, this legend about wisdom that, you know, you find wisdom by climbing to the tallest peak and, you know, visiting the monastery or you find wisdom through a series of all the self-denial and eventually you'll find wisdom. Wisdom is not ethereal. It's not hidden. It's not vague. It's not the result of me doing all the right things. It is a gift from God. A gift from God. Let's go back to what, what Solomon writes in Proverbs. He's going to tell us about wisdom. that it wants to be found. This is Proverbs 8, Proverbs 8. Does not wisdom call out? Meaning it makes noise. It's drawing attention to itself. Does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Okay, so imagine there's a hillside. Here's the highways. Here's where everybody's walking. She takes her stand right there because she wants to be known. Does not wisdom... Beside the gate leading to the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. So wisdom isn't like vague and the result of me living enough years. and It's there. It wants to be found. I'm right here. One of the things that crept into the early church Several of the writings of Paul actually address this. Was this thing called Gnosticism? It's a, it comes from a Greek word. By the way, you know that um, Sophia in Greek is is wisdom. So if your name's Sophia, you're actually named Wisdom. Live up to it. I love it. <laughs> One of the things that crept into the early church was this teaching that came from the Greek and Roman world, and it's called Gnosticism. Gnosis uh, from the word knowledge. Okay, special knowledge. And even the followers of Jesus began to believe this, that there were like elevated levels of knowledge and understanding of wisdom that were really hard to achieve. And so all this teaching came in, like there were these secret texts that you had to read. There were these secret series of actions and decisions. And it was only for the enlightened. It was only for those who had special insight. And the, the New Testament writers say, stop it. Stop it. God's wisdom, he's made it plain and obvious. There's no more special knowledge. Solomon, thousands of years before, joins in and says, no, no, no. Are you kidding me? Wisdom wants to be known. God wants to give it. He wants human beings to engage with wisdom. We'll read one more scripture. This is Proverbs 9. The next Proverbs over. 
and um, maybe one of the more well-known. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, so if everybody in the room, we realize I want to be wise, I want to make good decisions, I want to make decisions that honor God, that are helpful to the people around me, here's where it begins. Now the word fear in the English language, the connotations are a little bit different than what we would have found in the original Hebrew language. Um, fear, reverence, awe, and respect. So it's not the fear like, you know, if you're really scared of God and you're hiding from him, this is where wisdom begins. No, it's, it's like this. It's like, oh my goodness. This type of fear. Like, oh, you are the creator. Like, you actually love me. You know all. It's that type of fear. It says, you want to know where wisdom begins? It begins when I have respect and awe for God. He's not my plaything. Jesus is not my homeboy. Okay? He is the creator of all. He's majestic. He's all-knowing. It's awe directed toward God and humility directed towards myself. Remember Solomon? These are great people and I am but a child. It's when I realize I do not have all of the answers. Anybody figured that out yet? It's when you say, I, I don't have the answers. And, and God, you're bigger than that picture I have in my mind that I saw at my grandma's house, this picture of Jesus. No, you, you are magnificent. You are awe-inspiring. I have reverence for you. And when I get to that place, that, that's the beginning of wisdom. When I realize how small I am and how big he is and he loves me in spite of my failures. The fear of the Lord, respect, awe, reverence, that's the beginning of wisdom. So for anyone in the room, if, if you're, we refer to it as being spiritually unresolved. You're not sure what you believe. Here's something you're going to have to wrestle with. Okay? You're going to have to decide who God is. Is he all-powerful? Is he the creator of the universe? And when, if you can come to the conclusion where you say, yeah, yeah, I'm struggling through my doubts, but I actually believe I'm created to serve him. That is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Now, an interesting little caveat about this. Solomon, who we've been talking about, if you read through the books that chronicle his life, it's devastating. The, the wisest man the world's ever seen. And at the end of his life, the wheels come off. He's an old man. He should be wiser than ever. And he makes a series of bad decisions. Actually leads to his na the whole nation just kind of moving into decay. Here, here's what I think happens. With his wisdom came wealth and power. And here, this doesn't make any sense in our culture, but in the ancient world, this is very commonplace. A king would make alliances with all the surrounding nations by taking a wife, a princess, from that surrounding nation. So, like, we're in the family. So all of his enemies would say, hey, don't attack us. So here's princess so-and-so. If you marry her, we're in the family, and now we have an allegiance. This happened in England. This is just part of the ancient world. So by the end of his life, Solomon has hundreds of wives. 
Here's what happens. Solomon welcomed these new relationships into his home. They brought their cultures. They brought their religions. And so in the temple of Solomon, in the, excuse me, the palace of Solomon, are all these little gods and all these little shrines where his wives are worshiping their native gods. And we were told this, that Solomon's heart began to waver and he began to join his wives in worshiping different gods. He lost the fear of God and he lost his wisdom. So a reminder for any of us who are older, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is necessary for wisdom to continue in my life. If I begin to diminish or truncate my perspective on who God is, if I don't have that reverence, I can lose my wisdom because it's a gift from God. So here's what I'd like to do. I want to conclude this way. I want to pray. I want to pray the prayer that James tells us to pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives so generously without finding fault. And then don't doubt, like really believe. So I'm going to pray this. For some of us, this is something you've been praying for your whole life. I'm going to pray that it continues. For many of us, we just never even prayed this. Like I've asked God for help. I've asked God for a raise. I've asked God for healing. But I've never asked God for wisdom. We're going to pray and we're going to believe. We're going to believe that God gives generously. So would you join me? It's going to be a new adventure for you in terms of wisdom. Lord, here we are. First thing we'd say is this. We are small. We are not sufficient. Our knowledge and our intelligence are not enough. We want to value wisdom. We want to pursue wisdom. Like a a lifetime of pursuing wisdom of your methodology, your perspective for navigating through life. And so as James instructs us, we, Lord, we just ask you, God, would you give us a new perspective on life? Would you, Lord, give us wisdom? Lord, we believe that you're generous with your wisdom and you don't find fault and we're not disqualified. Lord, I pray there would be a door open in so many of our lives. And Lord, we just begin a a new relationship with wisdom and we pursue it for the rest of our lives. And Lord, it would lead to our lives being protected. It would lead to us making good decisions because we can navigate through and it's not just our navigation isn't built on our observations and our knowledge and our intelligence. It's built on this whole new world of understanding life from your perspective. God, thank you for giving us wisdom, a new start. We don't have to make the decisions we did in the past. Give us a new reverence and fear and awe of who you are. Would we never diminish you or make you small or more comfortable? Instead, help us to see how vast you are. That's the beginning point of wisdom. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm looking you in the eyes, and you look vastly more wise than you did three minutes ago. I mean, it is. Hey, I really believe that God grants wisdom. Let's move forward in life believing, hey, he's given me wisdom. 
I'm going to navigate life and it's going to go well. God bless you. You guys, you are so loved. Have a fantastic week. If you need anybody to pray for you, there's people up front you can trust. Otherwise, be the hands, feet, mouthpiece of Jesus. If you need a Bible, head to one of these I Have Decided tables. They're free.